in Marshall County who was a Vols fan like me. You knew this was coming, didn't you? Every time the Vols would do well, every time the Vols would win, especially when they would beat Kentucky, he would preach out of a bright orange bound Bible. And so I guess what I'm saying is I'm looking for a bright orange bound Bible is um, what's going on here. But I appreciate the time that we're able to be together tonight. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, whether it's orange bound or not. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at just a couple of verses in verses 21 and 22. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. The San Francisco Giants is a major league baseball team that has had a number of very well-known players play for them. If, If you follow baseball, if baseball is something that you love, something that you love to watch, then you're going to know several players who have played for the San Francisco Giants. At the top of the list is this guy, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is a very well-known player for a number of reasons, whether you really like him or whether you really dislike him. He played 22 years in the MLB. He hit 762 career home runs. He was a 12-time Silver Slugger Award winner. He was a 7-time National League MVP. And to just put that in perspective, all of those statistics in his 22-year career are MLB all-time records. Now, we can say that he took a lot of steroids, and that's true. You can do with that what you want to. But when you hear the San Francisco Giants, this is one of the major names that you're going to think about. Perhaps another name that you would think about in connection with the San Francisco Giants is Willie Mays. Willie Mays had a very long and successful career with the Giants. He played in 2,857 total games just with San Francisco. He still leads the team in almost every major category on both offense and defense. 24-time All-Star, 660 home runs hit in his career, which places him fourth on the all-time list, a 12-time Gold Glove Award winner, and was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1979, a pretty impressive resume. Then you have Willie McCovey. Willie was a very well-known player with the Giants. He played with them for almost two decades, for almost 20 years, and in that time he was a six-time All-Star. Just like Willie Mays, he was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1986. He left a lasting impact on the organization. They ended up retiring his number, and the water that's right behind right field is named after him, McCovey Cove. When you think about the San Francisco Giants, there are some major characters. There are some major individuals that are going to immediately come to mind, and I think those are three of them. Comparatively speaking, in connection with the Giants, you probably haven't heard of this man. You probably haven't heard the name Mike Murphy. Whenever he was just 16 years old, he joined the San Francisco Giants organization. It was in 1958 as a bat boy. In 1980, he was promoted to be the equipment manager and served in that position until he retired. Even though he was a pretty minor character in the Giants organization, he had a pretty big impact on the team. He was a father figure to generations of Giants players. So, so much so that people would oftentimes call him Uncle Murph. 
Whenever the Giants won the World Series in 2010 after going 52 years without a World Series win, when they won it in 2010, he was the individual who was given the privilege to carry the commissioner's trophy into the celebrating team the night that they won the World Series. The general manager was asked about Mike Murphy on that night, and here's what he had to say. He said, Murph is as important to this organization as anyone And that should not be overlooked. Murphy, or as many players called him, Uncle Murph, was a minor character in the San Francisco Giants organization. In the fact that he never played an inning. He never stepped out. He never had an at-bat. He wasn't the one hitting the home runs or fielding the ground balls. He wasn't the one striking out batters. He was a minor character in the history of the Giants organization, but he had a major impact. Such a major impact that the general manager looks at him and says, he's just as important as anybody else. Nobody should overlook that fact. Tonight, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, I think we're going to talk about a character that could be described in a very similar way. We're going to be talking about a man named Tychicus. When you look at the New Testament as a whole, especially whenever you compare him to people like Paul, or people like John, people like the Apostle Peter, he's a very minor character in the New Testament. He's only mentioned five times in the entire New Testament. And maybe this is the first time that you're hearing about him. Maybe you've never really thought about Tychicus before. He's such a minor character. But whenever we look at those five references... Even though he was a minor character, what becomes so clear is that he had a very major impact. He had a major impact on the church. He had a major impact on the spread of the gospel. He had a major impact on people's lives, the lives of different congregations in the first century world. And so as we think about Tychicus, a minor character who had a major impact, I want us to think about ourselves how perhaps we could describe ourselves in the same way. Minor characters in the story of Jesus who are looking to have a major impact on the world for Jesus. But before we get to ourselves, let's spend just a little bit of time getting to know Tychicus a little bit better. Who was he? What does the New Testament tell us about him? I'd like to say just three things about Tychicus. Number one, the Bible tells us in both Ephesians 6.21 and also in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7 that Tychicus was a beloved brother. Tychicus was a Christian. He was a brother in Christ. Paul rightly recognizes the fact that both he and Tychicus serve the same heavenly Father, and if that's the case, they are brothers of one another. They shared a familial relationship that was defined by love. He's not just a brother, he's a beloved brother. It seems when the Apostle Paul thinks about Tychicus, this is one of the descriptions that automatically comes to his mind. Because like we read a minute ago, it's it's not only found in Ephesians 6 and verse 21, but you also find him being called a beloved brother in Colossians chapter 4 in verse 7. That's what Paul thinks about Tychicus. That's the way that Paul views him. He's a brother in Christ who I love so much. In John chapter 13 and verse 34, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus taught His apostles, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Well, what's new about that commandment? 
The command to love one another was not necessarily a new command. That, that wasn't a new expectation that God placed on His people. What's new about it in John chapter 13? Well, as you keep reading, Jesus says, here's what's new. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And that's the kind of relationship that exists between Paul and Tychicus. They loved one another just like Jesus loved them. First, we find that he was a beloved brother. But then, as we continue thinking about him and thinking about how he's referenced in Scripture, another designation, another description that comes to the Apostle Paul's mind when he thinks about this man is not just that he's a beloved brother, but that he is a faithful minister. He uses that phrase verbatim in Ephesians chapter 6 and again in Colossians chapter 4. Whenever we hear the word minister, what do we automatically think about? Well, who's the minister at that congregation? Who's the youth minister at, at this specific congregation of the Lord's church? We use the word minister to talk about guys who are serving full-time at, at different congregations. Perhaps the person who gets up and preaches on Sunday. What does the word minister mean? The word minister here in Ephesians 6 and also Colossians 4 is the same Greek word from which we draw the word deacon. Diakonos. It literally refers to someone who is a servant. Whether we're talking about waiters serving tables and serving food and water to people, or whether we're talking about servants serving in the king's palace, a minister, a servant in this context, is someone who obeys the commands of another. Paul uses this word a little bit earlier in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 7, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister, a servant, according to the gift of God's grace. Paul says God's grace has made a difference in my life. God has given to me something that I don't deserve. Well, what is it? He's given me this position as a minister of the good news of Jesus. Was Paul saying that he was a guy who wore a tie and got up and preached every Sunday at a specific congregation? That's not what he's saying. He's saying God's grace in my life is allowing me to be a servant of the good news of Jesus. Allowing me to be a servant of the Gospel. Jesus uses this word to describe what all of His followers should be like. How His followers should interact with people in the world. This is based on, in Matthew 20, verses 25 and 26, a context of dispute. Remember how James and John came to Jesus? Some of uh, the Gospel accounts says that their mother came with them and they asked Jesus, whenever you come in your kingdom, can one of us sit on your right hand and the other sit on your left hand? Of course, that causes a dispute among the other apostles because they were asking for the positions that they wanted themselves. And Jesus addresses it head on. I imagine Him sitting all of them down and telling them, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, that's what leadership, that's what authority looks like in the world. They lord themselves over other people. They make sure that, that they know I'm the one in charge. But he says in 26, it's not going to be that way with you. Whoever would be great among you must be your what? Your minister. Your diakonos. Your servant. Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then you have to become a servant. You have to become the slave of all. You have to become the servant of all. That's the kind of life that Tychicus lived. 
He lived a life as a faithful minister, a faithful servant of Jesus. He did whatever Jesus wanted him to do. Tychicus, what we'll see in just a few minutes, he did whatever he could to make the Gospel known to further the Gospel, to serve the church, to serve his brothers and sisters in Christ. He was a faithful servant of Jesus. And as a faithful servant of Jesus, he was a faithful servant of people. You know, the two go hand in hand, right? When you're a faithful servant of Jesus, you're going to be a faithful servant of people. Those two things can't be separated from one another. They go hand in hand. If you have one, then you're going to have the other. Tychicus was a faithful servant of Paul. Wherever Paul sent him, that's exactly where he went. And that's exactly what he did. So who was Tychicus? This really minor character in the New Testament that's mentioned in our text tonight. Well, first we find that he's a beloved brother. A brother who Paul loves just like Jesus loves him. He's a faithful minister, a faithful servant of Jesus, and a faithful servant of people. And then we find where we're going to spend the most of our time talking about Tychicus is that he was one who was sent. One of the major roles, one of the major functions that Tychicus filled is being sent to various places to do various things. For instance, when we first come to meet him in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4, the first time that he's mentioned in the New Testament, he's sent as a representative of the churches in Asia. When you look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 4, you have seven different men who are named, which Tychicus is one of them. They're from all over the world. Brothers in Christ from all over the world who are traveling to the city of Troas to meet up with the Apostle Paul. They're bringing financial support from all of these different places to add to the collection that Paul is organizing and taking to the needy saints in the city of Jerusalem. They come from different places. You can read through there and see from the Thessalonians and from Derby. But then you see from the Asians, from the district of Asia, there were two individuals. And one of them was Tychicus. I think that tells us a couple of different things. First, just when we think about the book of Ephesians, Tychicus being from the province of Asia means that he very well could have been from the city of Ephesus. Of course, we don't know that for sure. Scripture doesn't tell us. At the very least, Tychicus was from the province in which Ephesus existed. But then perhaps more significant in Acts 20 and verse 4, what does that tell you about his character? What does that tell you about his reputation and his trustworthiness that he was one of two individuals in all of the brothers, in all of the Christians in Asia, he was one of the two selected to carry a large sum of money to Troas to meet up with Paul on his third missionary journey and then to go from Troas to the city of Jerusalem to make sure they received the gift. that, That tells us something about him, doesn't it? That tells us that he was trustworthy, that he was a man of great character, a man of great faithfulness, a faithful servant like we saw just a moment ago. So as as being one who was sent, he was first sent to Troas from Asia, and then from Troas they went on to the city of Jerusalem. But then as we continue to think about Tychicus, throughout the rest of the New Testament, he's sent as a messenger, as a replacement, and as a letter carrier. At least three times in the New Testament, he fulfills at least one of those functions, being sent for one of those 
purposes. Let's take just a little bit of a closer look. So number one, in Ephesians 6, verses 21 and 22, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it seems that Tychicus is sent as both a messenger and a letter carrier to Ephesus and Colossae. The reason that we are putting both of those together, the reason that we're lumping together Ephesus and Colossae, is because those two cities were very close together. They were located just a few miles apart relatively. And we believe that Ephesians and Colossians were written around the same time. Written during Paul's first Roman imprisonment. As you look in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 4, at the end of both letters, Paul mentions, I'm going to send Tychicus to you. Well, what would that have looked like? First, Tychicus would have carried the letters. He would have carried the letters from Rome where Paul was in prison, where Paul was under house arrest, to both Ephesus and Colossae. Once he got to each congregation, once he got to both of those, of course he visited both of them on the same journey, when he got there, he would read the letter to them, he would elaborate on the letter, he would answer any questions that they have, and then as Paul's in prison, I think the Ephesians and, both the, and the Colossians both would have wanted to know how Paul was doing. Perhaps they were worried about Paul as he was under house arrest in the city of Rome. They were wondering about how that was going and wondering what the Apostle Paul needed. And so Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 21 and 22, and also in Colossians 4, I'm sending Tychicus to you so that he can bring a message, so that he can tell you how we are doing, and so that you can know how we are. Of course, as Tychicus did that, and he visited both congregations, and he brought the messages that Paul wanted him to bring, at the end of Ephesians 6.22 and Colossians chapter 4 and verse 8, he would have been an encouragement to them, an encouragement to both the Ephesians and to the Colossians. So he's a messenger, a letter carrier from Rome to Ephesus and Colossae. But then as we continue reading a few years later in Titus chapter 3 and verse 12, he is sent by Paul as a replacement for and a letter carrier to Titus in Crete. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 12, Paul tells him, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Seems that Paul was a little bit unsure. He wasn't quite sure what he's going to do yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to send Artemis to you. I'm not sure if I'm going to send Tychicus to you. But if he would have sent Tychicus, it would have been very similar to what we mentioned just a moment ago. He would have carried the letter from where Paul was, more than likely in Macedonia when he wrote the letter to Titus, to the island of Crete where Titus was located. He would have brought that short letter to him. But then when when Paul tells him, he says, hey, when you get this letter and when you read it, I want you to come meet me at Nicopolis. Well, if Titus is going to leave Crete, who's going to take his spot? If Titus is going to leave his leadership position serving the churches in Crete, who would have taken his position? Who would have picked up that slack? I think that's what Paul is sending Tychicus for. He's sending Tychicus to be a replacement for Titus. Titus is going to go meet Paul in Nicopolis. And when he comes back to Crete, then Tychicus will be able to leave and go back to the Apostle Paul or go back to his home in Asia. I think that's the design of what we find in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 12. And then as we continue reading, perhaps a year or two after Titus 3 and verse 12, the book of 2 Timothy is written. And it seems that Paul is once again in prison in the city of Rome. It seems that he's about to be executed Remember in in the book of 2 Timothy, he says, I've fought the fight, I've finished the race, 
and I've kept the faith. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to come to me soon. And he has a sense of urgency about it because he's about, to, he's about to face execution. He says, come to me soon and I want you to bring some things to me and I want you to bring a person to me. Does anybody remember who that was? John Mark. He says, I want you to bring along John Mark because he's useful to me in ministry. The same John Mark that left him on the missionary field, by the way, in Acts chapter 13, it seems they're reunited in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Bring him to me because he's useful in service. Was Timothy would have been reading this letter, as he would have been reading 2 Timothy, after Paul says, come to me, he says this in chapter 4 and verse 12, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Why was that important to mention? Whenever Timothy left Ephesus where he was serving, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and went to visit Paul in Rome as he was about to die, he could have done that with a good heart. He could have done that being at ease, knowing that his replacement was on the way. Tychicus has already visited Ephesus, according to what we find in Ephesians 6. Perhaps he was even from the city of Ephesus, so a congregation that he would have been very familiar with, where he could step in and serve as a replacement while Timothy was gone. So when we think about Tychicus, we have to mention that he was one who was sent. He spent a lot of time on the road. I wonder what kind of sacrifices he made for that. I wonder if he had a wife at home. I wonder if he had kids. I wonder if he had a job that he would leave for several months at a time to be a beloved brother, to be a faithful minister, to do anything that he could to spread the gospel of Jesus and impact people's lives in a positive way. What we're saying about Tychicus is this. Tychicus, in the New Testament, is a minor character. He's only mentioned five times. He doesn't do any of the preaching. The limelight's not on him. He doesn't write any of the letters that we have recorded for us in the New Testament. He's a minor character. But do you think he had a major impact? Do you think he impacted people? Do you think he impacted lives? Do you think he impacted congregations? Do, do you think there are people who are going to be in heaven because of Tychicus' work? I think so. A minor character who had a major impact. Now let's think about us. I think that it's important for us, very significant for us, to view ourselves in the same way. Maybe we can sometimes think that we're bigger than we are. Sometimes we might be tempted to think that Jesus needs me. I'm Jesus' gift to the church, right? Jesus needs me to do what He needs to do. We think sometimes like to think of ourselves as major characters in what God is doing in the world, but the reality is that we're just like Tychicus. We are just minor characters in what God is doing in the world, reconciling people to Himself through Jesus. We are just minor characters in what God has done and what God continues to do with the good news, with the Gospel. We're just puzzle pieces. We, you and I are just small pieces of what God is doing in the world. We're minor characters. But just like Tychicus, each and every one of us have the capability to have a major impact. We are minor characters in the story of the Gospel, but we have the potential as we live our lives on a daily basis to make a major impact in the lives of those who are around. We have the opportunity to have a major impact at work. To have a major impact at school. 
to have a major impact among our friends, to have a major impact even at home. That's the first missionary field that we're supposed to be attentive to, isn't it? Our own home, those who are closest to us. Just like Tychicus, we're minor characters in this game, but what we strive to do every day is to have a major impact for Jesus, to have a major impact with the Gospel. I think in order to do that, we need to spend some time looking at Tychicus' life. We need to spend some time learning from him. If you're going to be a minor character who has a major impact, there are some things that you have to do. You have to be a beloved brother or sister. Be somebody who is plugged in to the church here at Seven Oaks. Don't loosely be connected. Make your roots go deep in this church family. Be a beloved brother or sister in Christ. See, this is not a place where we come, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And, and how are you doing? I'm doing well. We ask people how they're doing with the expectation that they're doing fine. Have relationships that go beneath the surface. Have relationships that are deep and intimate in the Lord's church. Love other people just like Jesus loves you. And allow yourself to be loved just like Jesus loves you. If you're going as a minor character, if you're going to have a major impact, you can't do it on your own. You have to be a beloved brother or sister in Christ. Just like Tychicus, if you're going to have a major impact as a minor character, you have to be a faithful minister, a faithful servant. Be a servant of King Jesus. Do everything that He tells you to do. As you serve Jesus, be very intentional in serving other people. Do all that you can to make a difference in the lives of those who are around you. To make a difference in the church. To do those things that need to be done. If you want to be great in Jesus' kingdom, what do you do? You become a servant. You become the slave of all. You become the servant of all. Where no job is beneath you. No job is below your pay grade. If we're going to have a major impact as minor characters, we have to live our lives as servants. We have to be faithful servants of Jesus. Faithful servants of others. And then number three, we have to be people who are sent. You're probably not going to go on journeys like Tychicus did. From Asia to Troas to Jerusalem. From Rome to Ephesus to Colossae. From Rome to back to Ephesus, from Macedonia over to the island of Crete. You're probably not going to go on journeys like that, but what each and every one of us can do is live on mission. We can live our lives in such a way that we let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. We can live our lives in such a way that we make disciples of, of all nations. Sometimes when we picture that phrase, make disciples of all nations, we picture going across seas. Making disciples of all nations starts at home. It starts at work. It starts at school. Making disciples of Jesus by baptizing them and teaching everything that Jesus has commanded. Realizing that He is always going to be with us. We can be a missional people, as we're living connected in the church, as we're serving on the outside, becoming the least of all and the servant of all, we can be people every day who are sent for specific purposes, intentional about making a difference in this world, intentional about bringing glory to the name of our God. What do we learn from Tychicus? He doesn't stand in the limelight. He doesn't preach the sermons. He doesn't write the letters. He's a minor character that makes a major impact. What a challenge that is for us. 
as minor characters of this big plan of redemption that God has, that we have the opportunity to make an impact in the world around us. There was a young man who was out on the beach one day. And this beach was miles long. And, and all, as, as you looked down the beach, you saw thousands of starfish lying on the shore. The young man was walking down the beach. He'd bend over and pick up a starfish and pitch it into the ocean. And he'd go a little bit further. He'd grab another one and pitch it into the ocean. An older man saw him doing that. The older man finally went over to him after he saw him pitch in four or five starfish back into the ocean. Son, why are you doing that? He says, well, I want him to be back in the water. No, 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 you, you don't understand me. Why are you doing that? Do you really think you're going to be able to make a difference? I mean, look down this ocean. It's miles long. There are thousands of starfish lying out here on the shore. Do you really think you're going to be able to make a difference in all this? Do you think you're even going to be able to put a dent in it? The young man leaned down, picked up another starfish, and pitched it into the ocean and said, I made a difference for that one. That's the challenge, isn't it? You're not going to be able this week to impact millions of people for Jesus. Maybe it's the case this week that you're not even going to be able to impact thousands of people. Hundreds of people for Jesus. But you know what you can do? Each and every one of us in here tonight can impact just one person this week. As minor characters who are striving to make a major impact, that major impact is not about having people lined up and me being able to impact a thousand people in the next seven days. A minor character having a major impact starts with one person at a time. I'm going to make a difference in this person's life this week. So how are you going to do that this week? How are you going to be a minor character who has a major impact, perhaps in the life of just one person? Why is this what we're about? Why is this what Tychicus was about? We strive to have a major impact on the world around us because Jesus has made a major impact within us. You can't make a major impact on the world around you for Jesus if Jesus hasn't worked on you. If Jesus hasn't made a difference within you. So maybe you need to do that tonight. Maybe you need to take that step in faith and to be buried in baptism in that moment having your sins washed away. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. You recognize my, my impact isn't what it should be. I haven't been intentional about this. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray for you as your beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. People who love you just like Jesus does. Let's go out this week as minor characters. Let's have major impacts on the lives of of the people around us, the world that we find ourselves in. Jesus can make a difference within you. And He can do it tonight as together we stand and sing.